We're starting a new series today uh, called Vapor, which is going to be a study in the book of Ecclesiastes. And what I want to do for you guys today, you'll notice there's no sermon notes I'm talking about today, because what I want to do today is really just give us an introduction to the book of Ecclesiastes and just see kind of how uh, Solomon kicks it off, how he starts it for us, and, and really just kind of build the foundation uh, for the rest of the book. I want us to really kind of see what Solomon is trying to do for us, the reader, even some couple thousands of years later. And, and if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, it begins with these words, Ecclesiastes 1, 1, 2. It says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Absolute futility. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. Now, if you're a Cowboys fan this week, you relate to this, don't we? But if you've ever started reading Ecclesiastes, and you probably see those first couple of verses, and you're just like, nope, shut it, didn't you? You're just like, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life right now. It went on to something like a little bit better, like Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Thoughts and plans, Jesus, you got good, prosperous for me, right? I'm going to prosper. But I'll tell you this morning, one reason why we're going to spend the next couple months going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and yes, it's a couple of months, uh, is because, number one, it's one of my absolute favorite books in all of the Bible, and it's not just because of the birds. You'll get that joke in a couple weeks. But Ecclesiastes is filled with wisdom and value and is incredibly relevant not just when the time that Solomon was writing it, but especially for our time now, because it is one of the most raw, real, transparent books in the entire scriptures. It's a book that examines life with the end in mind. The end being the fact that we all die one day. And Solomon is going to talk about living life with that in view. He's going to talk to us about the things that we pursue, the things that we value, what is truly worth valuing, what is truly worth pursuing in this life. And, and you know, I shared with you guys three, four weeks ago about my dad being in the hospital because of COVID, and he's doing great. Thank you for all you guys who've checked in on him. He's great. He's out of the hospital, doing fantastic. So thank yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, However, I, I, I bring that up to say it's those kinds of moments where we kind of get shocked out of our system. Somebody we love is in the hospital or we get faced with death or we get faced with, you know, losing a job or some kind of big significant moment. And it's those types of moments in life that kind of wake us up and clarify what really matters. Now what Solomon is going to do for us is he's going to take us through this journey through Ecclesiastes that hopefully will do that for us without us having to go through the suffering and the pain. Amen? Right? It's always better to learn the lesson without the suffering and the pain, but sometimes it takes the suffering and the pain. So let us be wise and learn from Solomon. Amen? Amen. All right. So buckle up. It's going to be a journey, but it's going to be worth it. So as you saw, verse 1 begins with the words of the teacher, the preacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. And what we know about tradition, tradition tells us that it's believed that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He was King David's son, the giant slayer. Um, he was, the Bible tells us at the time, the richest, wisest man in the world. He was a king of Jerusalem, took Israel really to its greatest heights as a kingdom. <clears throat> 
And one reason why this book is so valuable is because the Bible tells us that when Solomon was about to become king, God came to him and did something for Solomon that we all would love God to do for us. He came to him and said, Solomon, I'm going to give you one thing that you ask for. Now, sometimes we wish God was like a genie in the bottle and just give us kind of what we want, but he literally came to Solomon and said, I'm going to give you one request. I'm going to grant one request. And some of us are already thinking about the dumb things we would request, aren't we? Like, man, Super Bowl championship. Like, what are we thinking about? Solomon, on the other hand, was already smarter than me and said, I want wisdom. And the Bible tells us that God was so pleased with his answer that he made him the wisest man who ever lived. So much so that Solomon doesn't just write Ecclesiastes, but he writes Song of Solomon, which is a book about passion. And if you've ever read it, man, it, it, is, it is not G-rated. Like you read it and you're just like, well, is this allowed to be in the Bible? You know, like, like actually, seriously, like Hebrew kids weren't allowed to read it, right? It was like, eh, we'll read all of them. Not that one. You got to be like at least puberty for this one, right? Because it's, it's pretty, pretty beautiful, actually, because it tells, that, it tells us that God cares about uh, passion and pleasure and things like that and the right and good context that he creates for us. He writes Proverbs, the book on wisdom, of course, right? The book on wisdom, how to live a wise, moral, successful, uh, good life. And then he writes Ecclesiastes, which is believed to be kind of at the end of his life which is kind of a reflection on life for King Solomon, the life that he's lived, the journey that he's walked, and he's reflecting on it, and he's going to give us some wisdom for our lives. And again, he starts off in verse 2, absolute futility. So he's <laughs> written Song of Songs, which is all about sex and pleasure, he, he, and love. He writes Proverbs, which is all about wisdom. And then he writes Ecclesiastes and starts off with, everything is futile. Are you encouraged by that? And he's not hiding his feelings when he says this, right? He starts off absolute futility, says the teacher, absolute futility. Everything is futile. He uses this Hebrew word that's translated futile over 30 times in Ecclesiastes. It's this word hevel, which literally, this re reason why we're calling this series vapors, because literally translated, it means vapor or breath, fleeting, going away like you breathe, and then it's gone. It's this, this Hebrew word that means it's here today and gone tomorrow. It means it's futile. It's meaningless. As a matter of fact, his repeating it three times, one after the other after the other, means life is, everything is as meaningless as meaningless can be. It's a fleeting breath of vapor here today, gone to tomorrow, and it is as meaningless as meaningless can possibly be meaningless. Welcome to church! Yeah! You're like, I am so happy that I decided to come here today! wish they'd hit me with that football in the parking lot and gave me a concussion so I didn't have to be in here, right? But if you start Ecclesiastes and you're brave enough to keep reading after that encouraging beginning, he doesn't get any better in verses 3 through 11. Matter of fact, it's worse. Like Solomon is the dude that is like the depressing guy at the party who's standing in the corner by himself and you walk over and just goes like, I want to be nice, right? He seems seems alone. I'm going to go talk to him. Like, hey man, how's it going? He's like, it's all meaningless, man. What is vanity? 
It's as futile as it can possibly be. And you're like, I see why you're alone. I'm going to excuse myself, right? Like, we all know those kinds of people, right? But here's the thing, is in this sobering beginning to the book, Solomon is going to ask us a lot of valuable questions about our lives. And remember, he's going to examine life with the end in mind. And so if you keep reading, verse 3, he says, what does a person gain for all of his efforts? So he says, it's all meaningless, it's all vanity, it's all futile. Verse 3, what does a person gain for all of his efforts? He, that he labors under the sun. A generation comes and a generation, or a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth will remain forever. He's, he's asking the question, what's the point? What's a question we've all asked ourselves? What's the meaning of all of this? Because he goes, I'm looking around, I've lived this life, and what I've seen is you build and you attain and you, you, we labor and we work and we try to build this life for ourselves. And at the end of the day, we die and a generation goes and a new generation comes. And I'll tell you, at 35, 100 doesn't seem that far away. I know you're laughing, but really, like, I'm like, man, we're like, quick. He says we get promotions, we get bigger houses, we buy newer cars, we, we spend our lives striving for these things to outdo our neighbors, right? Because we've got to be better than them. Come on. I mean, can you see them? They're not that smart or talented, right? Actually, my neighbors are great. I love you guys. Some of them come to our church. <laughs> I love you guys. And he says we do all this stuff. We spend our lives pouring ourselves out for this to build, attain, and gain. And at the end of the day, a generation comes and a generation goes. You just die and somebody else buys your house. And then he gets more encouraging. Verse 5, the sun rises and the sun sets, panting. This is a beautiful poetry, right? The sun rises and sets and panting like it's rushing to get back. Panting, it hurries back to the place where it rises. So it rises, it sets, and then it rushes to get back to the place where it can rise again. Gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning and turning goes the wind, and the wind returns in its cycles. So the wind blows and goes around the earth and goes and goes, and then it just comes back to where it began. Verse 7, all the streams flow in the sea, and yet the sea is never full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. So we got rivers and streams, and they're all flowing to this one place and going and building and building, and they all get to the ocean, and yet the ocean is never satisfied. The ocean is never full. And so over and over and over again, the streams and the rivers just flow into the ocean, and yet it's not satisfied. And so it begins with you spend your life building and toiling and working only to be replaced by another generation. But the day-to-day -day life isn't that much better. He points to the cyclical nature of life. He says it's, we just repeat the same patterns over and over and over and over and over until we die. Y'all are going to get, like, at the end of this series, and we'll be like, we do this until, and everybody's going to go, we die! Like, we're excited about it, you know? Like, we got it right. He's pointing to the monotony of life. He's saying you build and you build and you build, and then it's over. But then even in the everyday life, it's really just this one big treadmill that we just run on and run on and run on. Maybe you move the, the bar up a little bit to run a little bit faster, but at the end of the day, you're just running on a treadmill, going nowhere fast, just doing the same things over and over again. 
I was reading a book about Ecclesiastes and it said, you know, really life is a lot more, Solomon's helping, wanting us to see, life is a lot more like that movie Groundhog Day than we realize. You ever seen Groundhog Day? That's an old movie. It's a good movie, right? Where we just get up and repeat and do the same things over and over and over again. And maybe you're like, no, not me, man. My life is adventurous and it's different. It could be, but I'll tell you how my, my days typically go, and maybe you relate, right? You, alarm clock goes off. Like, I was really, when I, when I read this, I was like, no, nah, not really. And then I started to think about it, and I was like, all right, alarm clock goes off. I think I'm going to get up and work out. And then I hit snooze, right? Come on, anybody else? And we hit do that a couple times until my son Gideon's in my face. is like, Dad, wake up. I'm hungry. I'm like, again? You just ate yesterday, right? And then, so we get up. We take showers. We scrounge around for some breakfast, whatever we can find. We take the kiddos to the school now, and we do school, and then come home, and you work wherever you're working from, whether it's in your actual job or at home in your boxers on Zoom, right? And then you go pick up the kiddos from school and you try to keep them from killing each other for a couple of hours. Maybe you go play outside, you have some dinner, uh, you get the kids to bed and you wrestle and you're just like, I can't wait till they go to bed because I'm exhausted and they're wearing me out. They need to sleep. And then after they get in the bed, you pull out your phone, you look at pictures of your kids because they're so wonderful, right? <laughs> Every night and you pull out the iPad or pull out the remote and you flip through Netflix and you're like, there's never anything on this daggum thing. Why do I pay $16.99 a month for this, you know? Over and over and you're like, oh, you look and you look and you look and you look and then you scroll through your phone a little bit, look on some, some social media, then you go, all right, I'll find something new now. And you look and look and look and then you just settle on like Parks and Rec or The Office like you always do. This, does this feel familiar to anybody else? And then what do you do? You either fall asleep on the couch or you go get in the bed and you wake up the next day only to do it all over again. Isn't that depressing? <laughs> Maybe you're like, no, not me, man. I throw in some vacations. We mix it up. And I would say, that's great. But when did you go on vacation? July. When did you go on vacation last year? July. What about the year before? June. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Really mixing it up here. <laughs> He says it's a treadmill, and, and we feel this, don't we? we? Sometimes we just walk in and fill this monotony in life, and we, we do things to try and break out of it, and we, we watch movies about the guy that quits his job and moves to, like, Europe or something. We're like, one day, right? What was that movie, uh, uh, Mr. Mitty or something, Walter? What? Never mind. I, I forget it. The movie where the guy goes and, like, travels the world. We want that, right? Like, we're like, I'm... Yes, it's in my soul. I crave it. And like 10 of us are going to go home and quit our jobs tomorrow and be like, now what do I do? That's what pastor said I need to do. But we feel this monotony and then we try to, well, maybe I need the new job. Or maybe we, let's throw in another kid. Or let's, let's do this different over here. Or maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll change things up and we'll move and get a different house. And we, 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 what we do is we try to rearrange the pieces so it doesn't feel as monotonous. But all we're doing is rearranging the pieces on the treadmill that's still running on the treadmill. And Solomon says, it's just not going to satisfy. You think it's, it's a temporary fix. It feels good. But in the long run, it's just not going to satisfy. And then to just drive in the nail, man. Solomon just gets us and hurts our feelings on the last few verses here. And you're like, what more could he say, Mike? Oh, there's more. There's more. Verse 9. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Now, he's going to repeat this phrase, under the sun, 
over 30 times, just like uh, Hevel. He's going to repeat it over and over. And when he's talking about under the sun, he's talking about earth. So he's not talking about heaven. He's not talking about eternity. He's talking about on this earth. He says there's nothing new. What has been is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. Verse 10, can one say, can one say about anything, look, this is new. It has already existed in the ages before. I read a quote this last week, and I can't attribute it because I can't remember who said it. But it was, there's nothing new under the sun. Even when man went to the moon, all he could do is look back at the earth. <laughs> Oof. There's no, look, this is, or excuse me, verse 10. Can one say anything? Can one, can I read today? Can one say about anything, look, this is new. It has already existed in the ages before. Verse 11, there's no this is where it just hurts us, man. There is no remembrance of those who came before and of those who will come after. There will also be a no remembrance by those who follow them. So you build and you build and you build and attain and you die. But don't worry, daily life is just a treadmill. And he finishes with, but don't worry because no one's going to remember you anyway. <laughs> like, dude... What happened to you, man? Like Solomon. Who did somebody steal your bike when you were a kid? Like, why are you so hurt, man? And it's funny because I opened up basically by saying, hey, if you want meaning and value, this is a great book for us, right? Like one of our core, literally one of our core values of our church is we want to live a life that makes a difference. And here's Solomon, vanity man, it's all meaningless, it's all futile. No one's going to remember you in 100 years. <laughs> like he's just at this point he's just being mean to us like like he's one of those I keep he's one of those guys that wants you to feel as bad as he feels you know and yet it's kind of true in some ways and I know we say well there's people that we remember people from history and I'm I'm listening to a podcast on Julius Caesar right now and I'll tell you what, I didn't know Julius Caesar from Little Caesars before I started this podcast. You know what I mean? Like, I knew some stuff about him. Like, short guy toga? No! Like, that's Napoleon, right? So, we know names, but what do we really remember? I, I remember uh, watching—I'll just keep the Cowboys theme going here today. I remember watching Emmett Smith in, like, whatever year it was, 98, 99, 2000, where, whatever it was around there, where he runs—he's playing the Seahawks— Wish Billy was in here to hear that. Youth pastor is a Seahawks fan. Boo him when you see him. He's in a Seahawks jersey. Easy to find. Um, I remember them playing the Seahawks. He goes on a seven-yard run, breaks Walter Payton's rushing record. And I remember watching this and just feeling like it's the pinnacle, man. Like he just broke one of the all-time great records. Like he's going to be remembered forever. And I remember, th I remember this vividly. Why, this happens and watching that and then they put kind of the, the list up of the people that he beat right that used to hold the record Walter Payton Jim Brown all those guys that are on the list and I remember looking at that list and going I don't know who half of these people are and then it hit me one day somebody's gonna look at his name on that list and nobody's gonna know who he is either if football lasts that long right I mean in a hundred years who knows and it was this sobering feeling. Like I'm watching a football game trying to be excited, and I'm like, oh, well, this is depressing, right? But let's make it more personal and just hurt our feelings a little bit more. 
Anybody in here know the names of your great-great-grandparents? I know my great-grandparents. I knew them. But do we know our great-great-grandparents? They lived like a hundred years ago, man. You don't know their names? That's messed up. You need to go research your family's history. <laughs> generation comes and a generation goes. And it, it hurts us in our soul <laughs> to think about this. But here's the reality that Saul, Solomon, excuse me, is trying to show us if everything is about this life, if everything that we do is about this life and this world, this finite world, if we put all of our value in this world and not something eternal, what we're going to discover is that everything is vanity, everything is futile, everything is just a vapor and chasing after the wind. <laughs> and it hurts a little bit. But before he can encourage us, he has to kind of bring us down to reality, doesn't he? <laughs> I know some of us are going to wake up tomorrow and just be like, what's the point, man? Alarm clock goes off, you just break it. I'm not going to work. It's a vapor. <laughs> Futile. Some of y'all have been looking for that excuse, right? And I guess. But Solomon wants us to see that what we pursue so often is not healing or bringing meaning or bringing value to our lives like we think it will. And so he breaks us down so that he can show us this truth. Ecclesiastes 1, 12 through 14. He says, I the teacher. Now here he's going to finally give us the mission statement. I, the teacher, have been king of Israel in Jerusalem. Verse 13, and I applied my mind to examine and explore through wisdom all that is done under heaven. Now he continues on and talks about how this earth is still meaningless, but he says, and this is what I want you to catch. I applied my mind to explore through wisdom all that is done under heaven. So, so after he's depressed us a little bit, he he's gives us what he's trying to show to us. He's saying, I took all that wisdom back. Remember when, when I asked God for wisdom, he said, I'm going to make you the wisest man in the world. He said, I took all that wisdom that God has given me and all of my resources. And by the way, one favor that, or one great thing that Solomon has that we don't is he has more money than you. He has more wisdom than you. He has more stuff than you. He has more opportunity than you. He was king of Israel, had more money than you could ever imagine, more wisdom than any of us in this room, according to the scriptures. And, and he says, I took all of those things and I put them together for one purpose, to discover what has value and meaning. To discover what is the point. His unlimited resources, he took them and said, I'm going to use them for this one thing. Where can we find meaning? Where can we find value? He says, I went out to discover what the point is. And the favor that Solomon does us does for us is as he's walking through this, he's going to begin to view everything through this eternal lens, this eternal 
perspective and he's going to systematically break down over the next 11 or 12 chapters and you're like 11 or 12 chapters <laughs> yeah he's going to systematically break down everything in our lives that we put our value and meaning in and he's going to show us where true value and true meaning can be found because here's here's the truth right because there's so much in life that we strive after and we put value and we put meaning and we put our hope in, whether it's that job or the house or getting married or having kids or whatever that is. If I wasn't suffering, if I wasn't walking through pain, we, we, we do all these what-if scenarios in life and we look at all these things and we go, if I had that, if I didn't have to deal with this, if I could have this, then I would be happy or I would have meaning or if I wasn't suffering. I would, and we, we constantly play this grass is greener on the other side thing in our heads, don't we? Come on, right? We constantly play this grass is greener on the other side mentality in our minds and think if I only had X, then I could be happy, then I would be fulfilled. And Solomon is going to systematically break that down for us and go, all these things that you think will satisfy you, they won't. And he goes, believe me, I had unlimited resources. I tried them all. I put all I had into it, and I found it didn't bring me value, meaning, happiness. And at the end of the day, he's going to tell us what truly can. Are you encouraged today? You, yes? What's wrong with you people? You should be depressed right now. And I'll give you one, man, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I know this is true about me. A lot of us with this grass is greener mentality go, man, if we could just get back to normal before COVID, we didn't have to wear these stupid masks, we didn't have to worry about vaccines. We didn't have to worry about, if I could just get back to that, then I would be happy. And a lot of us have forgotten just how miserable we were before COVID. Because the thing that is going to satisfy us isn't going to be not having to wear a mask anymore or not having to worry about COVID or not. It's only Jesus, man. It's only Jesus. The Spirit of God has purpose for this book, and it's hard and it's going to be a lot to weigh through, and it's going to be difficult because I'm not going to sugarcoat. I'm not going to go, here's, you know, Solomon says it's all futile, but let me give you five steps to a happier you. I'm not going to do that garbage. We're going to walk through it, and he's going to talk about things like justice and oppression. He's going to talk about things like building my bank account. He's going to talk about things like seeking pleasure. He's going to, he's going to talk about some things like religion without Jesus. And that happens in churches, too, Christian churches, too, religion without Jesus, trying to be religious without Jesus. And he's going to show us the vanity and futility in it all. But at the end of the day, if we're willing to walk through it, if we're willing to do the, the hard stuff, man, I believe he can, <laughs> Jesus is going to set us free, and we're going to find meaning and value and hope and life. So here's what I would say to you. Tomorrow, wake up, go to work. Don't snooze, go work out. You do it, all right? Tomorrow night, instead of watching Netflix, read a book, all right? Change it up. Go on vacation next summer, all right? Not, not tomorrow, because we need you back for next week, all right? Unless you already planned a trip to New York. <laughs> Love your families. Enjoy life, because here's the thing, life is good, amen? And life is a gift. 
but there are things that we tie our lives up in that we think will satisfy and bring us hope and at the end of the day are just going to weigh us down. But if we walk through this together, we're going we're gonna to see how beautiful life can be when we view life through the lens of eternity and not something finite in nature. All right. All right. Amen? Stand with me, River Church. God, I love you. Thank you for this hard book. Thank you for the difficult truths that you give us in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's hard, but man, it is so good. And so God, I pray, I pray that we would be brave enough as a congregation to walk through this together, to look ourselves in the mirror and examine our own lives and to ask ourselves the hard questions that Solomon is going to pose to us. God, I pray that as we walk through this series of the next couple months, you would give me wisdom as the pastor and teacher of this congregation to exegete what you have to say and be able to bring it to, to, to our family here in a way that would bring them life and hope and joy, but would also deal with the very real idols that we struggle with and walk with even in our own lives today that we wouldn't have to have the grass is greener on the other side mentality, but because, because of you and because of the, viewing the world through the lens of eternity, we would have happiness and life and joy regardless of any circumstance that we walk through. Because at the end of the day, it's only found in you, Jesus. And that's, it's hard, it's not easy, it's not a pill you take that fixes everything. But God, I pray that you would help us to be brave enough and have the endurance to walk through it together. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in here today who is feeling that vanity or feeling that futility in life, maybe they're walking through depression or maybe they're discouraged or maybe, maybe they're hearing me preach and they're going, yeah, that's exactly it. That's how I'm feeling. I pray that you would encourage their soul today, God. I pray that you would your Holy Spirit would just touch them today and let them know that you see them. Let them know that you love them. Let them know that you value them. Let them see that there is hope, that there is a future, that there is life, that it's not all futile. It's not all vanity. But sometimes you have to work in us so that we can see that. I pray that you would do that today, God. Anyone walking through depression or discouragement today, Jesus. Lord, we put all of our hope in you and you alone. It's in Christ's name we pray. Everybody said.